Mic check, one, two, three. Welcome to the Grit Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sky Osborne. Here on episode, I'm not sure, I should know better. Um, maybe like 18 or something like that of the Grit Podcast. Um, we're going to have guest Leah back today. and We're going to go back and, and redefine some terms and uh, explain some things because last time we spoke, um, we got a lot of interesting feedback from people so we want to go back and make sure we explain what we're talking about um you can follow the grip podcast on um itunes spotify uh podbean google stitcher um if you go to i think uh go to skyent.live and uh, you can see all the links there or go to the Instagram, uh, The Grip Podcast. Um, also on Facebook, The Grip Podcast. You can get your uh, Be Humane wristbands right here. Uh, also at skyent.live. They're $5. Uh, the point of the Be Humane wristband is to um, bring attention to things that we need to be better at in society and, and in humanity. Uh, your Be Humane issue could be anything. It could be global warming, could be racism, could be white supremacy, could be... Um, you know, uh, Donald Trump and, and shutting him down to what he believes and stands for, uh, you know, shutting down the border wall, government shutdown, health care. It could be anything. So um, you get those. They're $5, and you wear them. People ask you what it is, and you can tell them, and it's supposed to be a, a conversation starter. Um, that's really it. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. What I want to do here is uh, I'm going to go ahead and do the uh, playlist shuffle and uh, have a bit of fun real quick before we get started. Um, it's not as fun when you do it by yourself or where there's nobody in the room with you. So here we go. Go to my playlist. Please, God, don't let anything silly come up. It's the whole point of this. Here we go. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I guess I have mixed feelings about this. Um, Travis Scott performing at the Super Bowl. Uh, this is Coffee Bean. I like the song. Bad, bad news. I'm just bad, bad um, You know, until... Colin Kaepernick is, um, you know, treated fairly, and the NFL acknowledges the uh, the issues at hand and, and deals with them in a, in a realistic way. It doesn't just try to sweep it under the rug, which they tried to do several times, and it didn't work because you can't suppress um, humanity. We're going to fight back all the time and make our point. So um, I think Jay-Z, Pink, uh, Rihanna and a few other people turned down the Super Bowl performance, but uh, Travis Scott and I think now Big Boy is doing it. They're doing the Super Bowl with Maroon 5. Um, I'm not sure what that's about, and I'm, I'm sure if you've been in on social media, you've seen some of the pushback that artists like Jay-Z and a few have been giving Travis Scott and Big Boy for doing the uh, performance at halftime. 
Um, I really haven't been watching the NFL or supporting it uh, for my personal reasons. Because uh, I, I don't think that you can uh, mistreat black people and expect them to support you. That's my stance. You know, I, I just look at it as like a uh, relationship. Both people have to come into the relationship equally and respect each other. You can't have one disrespecting the other. And the other will just sit down and take it. If you're in that relationship, I think you leave if you're being mistreated. So I look at business relationships that way. I look at a lot of relationships that way. Uh, don't like being mistreated. And it doesn't stop, you know, with relationships, romantic relationships. You know, you can lose on to, like I said, the NFL and business relationships. So. Treat us with respect. So I probably won't be watching this Super Bowl. I'm not going to support We're gonna go ahead and call Leah. I mean, just a second, make sure she's ready. Sorry for the uh, dead air. Turn that down. Turn this back up. And once she replies here, we'll go ahead and get into it. Um, I've really been looking forward to this follow-up episode. I think I'm going to have Leah on here as a guest probably quite a few times. Um, she's really uh, informative, really helpful. I'm actually learning a lot uh, by working with her. and She's actually helping me on another project. I'm working on a short film, and um, she helped me with that. And that's going to be called Be Honest. And I think we're filming in April about an interracial couple having uh, some problems. It's a short. It's not going to be like a full feature film. Uh, that's right. All right, she's ready. Let's go ahead and locate her in my contacts. This narrating is awesome, I think. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> Back for more, huh? Back for more. <laughs> uh, How's it going? Um, it's going pretty good. Uh, just so you know, we're live okay. on the podcast. Um, nice, nice. Not sure why I'm going to do this to myself again. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. A glutton for punishment, huh? No. <laughs> it's fine. Um and even since I was I was talking briefly before you came on and uh, letting them know that I, I plan to continue to have you on and, and you're not going away. <laughs> so, you know, so if you don't like or get used to it, get used to it or bounce. Thank you. I appreciate that. OK. <laughs> nice to know you got my back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so. I don't remember the last time we talked, uh, but uh, we obviously have been keeping in touch. And um, I have been speaking uh, to more white people uh, okay. about the podcast. About the podcast. Unsurprisingly. Yeah. You mean since the last time we talked? Since the last time we talked. Like oh, as soon as okay. like last night. 
as recently oh. as last night. And um, it was funny. I was noticing a pattern. Um, yes, those always pop up yeah. sooner rather than later. Yeah. <laughs> Algorithms, no. <laughs> I noticed a pattern. Um, the white people that um, got it and, and understood what you were saying, they all listened to the whole podcast. Right, right. The ones that didn't get it, guess what? Listen to a portion of it. Listen to a portion of it. Yeah. Or a clip I posted. Right. And they tried to start a uh, have a they tried to have a healthy debate with me <laughs> right. about a clip. Having heard like one tenth of it or one twentieth or whatever. Yeah, and I'm like I, I was like, I don't even know how to have this conversation with you because you don't even know what you're talking about. Right. Go listen to the whole thing first and then we can maybe chat. Yeah, and um, yeah. so I think that was interesting and kind of revealing, and it kind of went back to what you were saying, how some want to do the work, some don't want to do the work. Yeah, yeah. It, as simple as just sitting down and listening to a podcast. Right. Couldn't do it. Yep, yeah. What's that Which about? it is long. <laughs> <laughs> well. Just to, but. I'm not excusing anyone. You, you could know. do it while you're driving. You could do right. it while you're at True. work. You know, if a couple you can... people I talk to, they're like, I had to do it in 10 minute increments. I was yeah. like, thank you for your perseverance. Yeah. Um, and no, I'm, and that I'm is not... an interesting observation. Right. And I'm not going to say that's like, because I, I need to be clear about this because um, I don't want to run into the same issues, but that's probably inevitable. I'm not saying that is exclusive to white people. I think that's like society today. I feel like people's attention spans are uh, kind of short. Um, I struggle with that a little bit personally. So, sure, you know. Well, uh, and I don't think it, I think attention span is part of it, but I think also um, a lot of people are just really quick to get defensive, and I think that that is partially just human nature. Mm -hmm. Like I struggle with that. You know, right. I don't want to be somebody who gets defensive, but sometimes I am super yeah. sensitive and whatever. But I think especially in these kind of topics and especially with kind of the national conversation, you know, the, the things that are happening and conversations that are happening, I think uh, it's even heightened that for mm -hmm. a lot of folks, right, to just jump to being defensive before they've even really tried to understand what's happening or yeah. Right. And, and I also think, and I, I promise I don't mean this to be um, <laughs> derogatory or it may be, uh, yeah. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, there's, I always think about this, this quote that's like, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of talked about this a little bit before. I think often, you know, that, that's for sure been the case for me. Like I, I, when I started my, my grad program in black studies, I, I wanted to focus on, you know, for my, my area of study, my thesis, I was like, I'm going to compare, um, racial history between like racism between South Africa and the U S mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like so big and so broad. And so like, really like you little like master student like you're gonna <laughs> cover all that in a 
in a, you know, 60 to 100 page thesis, really, you know, so it's like I but as I got further into both of those areas, right, I realized, oh, my gosh, like, I don't know anything, you know, like this is huge. There's so many different facets. And so I think often, unfortunately, sometimes you get um, that happening in these these issues, too, right, that people are just kind of maybe the people that don't know as much about some of these areas are more convinced that they have the answers and it's easy to just get defensive and it's like not even realizing they don't um how much they don't know and again i don't mean that to be insulting to anyone but um i just think it happens (laughs) a lot and I've been having a lot of conversations with people in person and um, on social media here recently. And I, I think, I wonder if this, well I, well, I know it does. I'm kind of curious, I guess, to get your opinion about it. Have, have you heard the term cancel culture? Yes. Where, yes. like, you know, <laughs> like you'll have Kevin Hart or you'll have somebody and they'll say something off the cuff and it won't be fully thought out. And then everybody's like, oh, you know, they're done. We're, we're done with Kevin Hart or we're done with this person. We're, you know, they're fired. They're whatever. And um, I heard Dave Chappelle say this on one of his stand-ups. And I don't think I talked to you about this. Does this sound familiar? No. Okay. Um, all my conversations in my head are like weaving together. I'm like, wait, who did I say this to? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dave Chappelle was talking about the Me Too movement. And he was talking about how you have men who support the movement and support women, but are scared to come out and support them in fear of being accused of something that they may have said off the cuff or for fear of speaking at a turn or something. And he used the term imperfect allies. He's like, we, he's like, we're going to have imperfect allies in all of these movements that we have. I don't know why people are walking around. This is me talking here. I don't know why people are walking around looking for unicorns, you know, where they're looking for these, like, perfect people who haven't made any right. mistakes or haven't said anything stupid. Right. And I think that plays into, like, this conversation where, like, you're, you're going to have a white person that says something crazy or stupid. You're going to have a black person that says something crazy or stupid. And right. it seems like we're not okay with that. Well, <clears throat> I might have a little different Go ahead. take on that. Go ahead. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'll just put this out there. For the most part, like, I don't know that I'm thinking of that when you say cancel culture, I, you know, I had certain incidents that come to mind, okay. right? Where someone's gotten called out for something or gotten fired. And they may be different I think that, that they might be different examples than what you're thinking of. Yeah, if, right? they're, so saying, I'm thinking of, if they're saying like extre- like stuff they should not be saying, like if they're saying something racist or, you know what I mean, uh, that's, I'm not referring to those kind of comments. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm referring okay. to, um, I don't know, like, I don't know, what did Kevin Hart say? I, I don't know what he said, but he made a joke, I think, about gay people or something. He realized he made a mistake. Um, I'm, no, I'm just going off of what... I've heard him say. I don't know personally, okay. obviously. Um, he apologized. He's like, I'm actually for you know that community. I support that community. I vote for that community when the elections come up, and I, I do what I can to support it. I made a mistake. Um, well, 
Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I definitely think, I mean, none of us are perfect, right? Like I talked on our last podcast about stuff I used to say, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're all learning. We're all, gr- well, not all of us, but <laughs> those of us who are trying, right, to learn and grow and be better, like there isn't a, that's a lifelong process. There isn't a state where we can say, I know everything there is to know about every single community that, that is different from me in the world. Right. That's, that's just not going to happen. So I agree with you there, Mm -hmm. but I think there's all, you know, there does need to be accountability because I think for a really long time, like hundreds of years, there hasn't been that accountability often. And especially when you're talking about things like sexism Mm -hmm. or racism, you know, kind of back to what we talked about last time, those things are so entrenched homophobia Mm -hmm. those things are so entrenched in our society that in our world you know that that comedians or or whomever like people have been able to say whatever they want to say and just play it off like a joke i think especially just since you brought up the world of comedy Mm -hmm. right i think that's an especially um, interesting area and problematic area, right? Where comedians have been able to say whatever they want to say in the name of, well, it's just joking. And it's like, yeah, but it isn't like, is everybody taking what you're saying completely as a joke or people actually internalizing some of what you're saying and you're normalizing, you know, these attitudes. So I don't know. Like, I think. Do you think that kind of like plays in the gaslighting to an extent? Yeah, like what we talked about in the area I grew up in, mm-hmm. right? So I think there need I think it is a balance. I think there needs to be a balance of accountability and because of the nature what I said about <clears throat> you know, the super long history of no account very little accountability in these areas. I think sometimes the pendulum has to swing like if the pendulum is is really far like in an extreme like one direction often it does swing out a little bit too far the other direction in seeking a balance Mm -hmm. does that make sense yes and i'm not even saying that i feel like the pendulum has swung too far in the direction of like accountability or call out i know a lot of people who think that it has um but i don't even know that i that i land there but like i I said i guess it would not I guess the, it would depend on I guess it would depend on I would need to like look at specific examples. You know, I'm speaking like generally, but I think I would need to look at each example of like okay, this happened, this is how you know this person's employer dealt with this or society dealt with this and you know, I would need to look at like the nuances of each situation, That's I guess. But I think it case. Yeah, but I think in general the account I, the accountability is what we need mm-hmm. because like as I was thinking about this the last couple of days, like white supremacy, sexism, all of these things that have been patriarchy, homophobia, these things that have been the status quo, the norm in this country for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And again, around the world, um, you know, those white supremacy excuses itself, right? That's part of how it continues to function. There's always a justification. There's always an excuse. There's always, and you hear this just in common everyday 
um, com- you know, conversations. Like I heard this my whole life. Like if someone says or does something racist, well, there's always an excuse. Well, they're just old. That's just the the era they grew up in, or they're just ignorant, or you know, they just don't know any better. Or well, they they, they had good intentions. Mm-hmm. They didn't mean, you know, it wasn't intentional. Like there's always an excuse. So where then do we have accountability for someone to change? if there's always an excuse. And so I guess I tend to look at these things more like it's bringing some very needed accountability. Does that mean every situation is handled perfectly? No, probably not. But I think in general, the more accountability around these issues, the better. And I guess we could discuss like (laughs) pros and cons of how these different situations are handled. Like I said, on a more, um, case-by-case basis, but there's my two cents worth. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally writing down what you just said as you were saying it. I was writing down, uh, let, you know, discussing what that actually looks like in, in each scenario. So it's, we're kind of on the same page there. That's interesting. That's all I was saying. And, and I kind of find it, I mean, <laughs> confession for me, I think some of the ways society, you know, just like, again, average everyday people are handling some of these incidents, I mean, I find great amusement in some of them. Like I'm thinking about, well, there was this lawyer, this was, I don't know, four or five, six months ago, um, this white lawyer in, I think it was New York. Um, that, like, just, about. Do you remember this? Just like went off at this, some fast food restaurant about someone speaking Spanish. I think it might've even been like a, <laughs> like know, a Mexican restaurant or something. I know exactly what you're talking about. I remember this guy. Right. And then like, you know, there was this public outrage as there should be because he was being very verbally abusive and yeah, racist, they, they right? Him. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all caught on tape. And then like the next thing I heard, there were like, there was like a mariachi band and taco trucks that were like, <laughs> <laughs> like camped outside, of his, outside office, his office. In his residence, I think like, maybe. playing. Yeah, like playing music and selling tacos. Like, okay, you want to be hateful and crazy? Well, we're gonna we're gonna be us, and do us like in your face, you know. And so, I mean, like personally, I'm like, power to the people. Like, this is creative. This is awesome. This is like taking a stance, but doing it in a way that's also funny and but get your point across. Yeah, you know, there was another video so, of him. They caught him on the street somewhere, and he was trying to hide <laughs> uh, oh, his yeah, identity like behind the umbrella, something like that. <laughs> and then, like, he got to a street corner, and the camera was like trying to paint around to his face, and then he just darted off down the street, like sprinting, like I running from the. That. <laughs> <laughs> they were kind of harassing him a little bit. The, like, you know, why yeah, are you hiding, bro. Like, if you haven't done anything wrong, like, why are you hiding from us? He was like hiding behind an umbrella, I think. Yeah, this is America. Was, Speak English, like what? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm like, before we get too far into the weeds here, uh, I'm like, okay. that's what we do, right? <laughs> I'm like, let's 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 see if we can go back and talk about what I had discussed with you as far as like trying to identify um, some of the language we, we're going to be using in, the, in terms or whatnot. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, hopefully you've listened to the last episode and, um, I think I was saying to you off the, off the uh, podcast, how I didn't know exactly what I was getting into. 
So it's okay. A we lot just of started feel that way with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we kind just started. We just started talking, and we just jumped into it, and um, and then after it was over, uh, it, it seemed like some of the people that got it were fairly intelligent people. Um, and I wouldn't say that, I don't, damn it. I'm going to get in trouble here. I'm like, oops, you just said it. It's okay. I already said something at the very beginning. That's probably going to piss people off. So, yeah. And I, and I don't mean it, um, and, and the way it may sound. Right. Um, exactly. You're not trying to bash on anyone or be arrogant or. No, you just have people that can receive information they're on all different kind of levels, you know, or they're further along in their process of learning about these issues. Right. Right. And so just to kind of add clarity to like, I think some of the things we're going to be talking about uh, for however long we do this, um, I'd like to see if we can kind of make this hopefully like a reference episode where okay. like we're in the future. We're like, okay, go back and check out episode blah, blah, blah. If you know, if you want more information on like these terms or whatnot, Okay. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then you were asking me, you were like, okay, so like, what kind of terms? And I was like, I don't know. Um, like, I just <laughs> don't know worry. Like- <laughs> I have plenty of them. <laughs> okay. But like, just for example, like when you say white supremacy, mm-hmm. I know what you mean. You know what okay. you mean. Yeah. They think KKK. Okay. And that, that okay. is a version of white supremacy, but. Um, but one of the most extreme versions. Right. So I don't know how yeah. you want to do this. I don't know if you just want to dig into what you have. It's like you have something already. Um. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So, well, first of all, let me put this out there. Okay. And I don't mean this in a any sort of derogatory way either. I'm all about education. I'm all about, like, you know, meeting people where they are. But... We also live in the information age, right, where all these terms (laughs) have, like, dictionary definitions. Um, All these terms have article, like, innumerable articles written about them. So, you know, I'm just throwing that out there for folks. Not that we're not going to delve into it here. And I know people are different types of learners. Some people like to research and Google stuff. Other people, it's easier in a conversational format. Or, But I'm just saying... If you come across a term, you know, that you don't know exactly what that means, or um, even if you think you know what it means, Google it. Like, and obviously, like, try to, you know, go to some reputable, make sure your sources are look decent or look reputable. But, um, you know, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> like, we're probably in the course of these episodes going to talk about a lot of terminology that's new. And so, you know, that that's kind of where putting your work in comes in, too. Right. You know, that that. Um, so anyways, that's kind of my little my little spiel. But let's dig into this. So, OK, so white supremacy and people thinking about the KKK. So, yeah, um, white supremacy, like most things in life, right, it's a spectrum. Um, so KKK, the KKK is on, you know, one of the most extreme ends of the spectrum, but white supremacy can manifest in lots of less extreme ways. Um, we talked about some of those on the last episode. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think, I guess maybe some, um, I could just throw out some examples and this is probably going to lead, this could lead into a whole nother <laughs> conversation, but some of some ways that will resonate that will feel relevant to people, ways that white supremacy manifests. Um, one thing that comes to mind is all lives matter. Um, so at, on the surface, right, if you just take that phrase out of context, all lives matter sounds, sounds legit, sounds like, yeah, of course, all lives matter. We're all part of the human race. We're all, we all bleed red, you know, however people want to express that. Mm -hmm. But you have to look at all these, everything in context, right? So all lives matter emerged as a response to what? Black lives matter. Black lives matter, right? And black lives matter um, is, is a phrase that is getting at the fact that black lives don't matter enough in this country. They don't matter as much as white lives. So then when this kind of rebuttal phrase, white lives matter is thrown in there, what that's actually being used to do is take attention away from, um, you know, trying to highlight the oppression that black folks in this country still face. And so that's a way that people are still, um, you know, a way that's not the KKK, right? Mm -hmm. Today, that folks are are um, supporting white supremacy. That's a white supremacist phrase because of the way it's being used. Mm -hmm. Um. But if you want to take white supremacy back to, you know, maybe just like a definition of what it is, white supremacy is an, an ideology, right? It's a set of beliefs, um, like we talked about last time with the whole, um, when we were talking about these fields of knowledge, right? And how, you know, in the field of psychology, it was like, oh, we've studied the brains, you know, that the brains of white folks, and we've studied the brains of black folks, and we've, you know, determined that white folks are just, you know, genetically more intelligent, like some of that kind of stuff. So way back in the day, mm -hmm. that's how white supremacy developed. It developed out of this, um, there's different names for it, like scientific racism or, but really it's pseudoscience, right? It's false science. Mm -hmm. It's now proven that those, um, you know, scientifically proven that those studies were false. They, they are, illegitimate but that's what you know one example of where this a belief system of white supremacy um came out of um and then of course when we talk about white supremacy we have to talk about um it's it's relationship to power right so it's not just the set of beliefs and, and this ideology it's the set of beliefs that's used to justify dominating other races um, I know we just jumped like right into the deep end again. <laughs> I know that this was supposed to help simplify for people, right? But now we're like, here we are swimming in the deep end again. Yeah. But let me stop there and, and get some feedback from you. Um, yeah, I mean, you are saying, I like that you brought up All Lives Matter. Um, because like, like you're saying that it's looked at to some as an innocent thing. And right. like you said, it was it was a rebuttal to, to Black Lives Matter. And you're like, well, why do you have to do that? No, right. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying <laughs> all lives. We know that. Right. You know, 
Right. And so it, that's interesting because like that and then like blue lives matter. Right. You know, it's like, okay. <laughs> Which is even taking it further on the spectrum, right? Talking about the spectrum of, of racism or white supremacy, I feel like. I mean, they're both Blue Lives Matter and All Lives Matter kind of doing the same thing, but I feel like Blue Lives Matter is even taking it further. Like it's directly like black. One of the main things Black Lives Matter is targeting, right, is police murder of civilians, of especially black black civilians. And so Blue Lives Matter is directly saying like we stand with police, but in this context, it's not just we stand with police. It's like we're on the side of this brutality like that's what it says to me and i know a lot of white folks that say or have the flag with the blue stripe or they they wouldn't say that that's what they're doing no but in this context that is what that is doing that's what that's saying yeah you know and when i have those conversations with people like about blue lives matter for example blue lives matter to me was scary like it, yeah. it was scary to me and, and some of my friends because like you'll drive down the street and you'll see like blue ribbons tied around trees and stuff. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. Like uh, this is scary. Um, and I don't, it know, is? I don't even know all oh. the ways I can articulate how it was scary. Well, because I just read an article the other day and I was like, damn, that was comparing the Blue Lives Matter, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Symbol to the Confederate flag. It's like what that stands for, what the Confederate flag stood for in its time and still stands for today. And what Blue Lives Matter stands for, it stands for white supremacy. It stands against the um, protection and equality of black folks. So right. that's white supremacy. So, yeah, it was scary because um, of what you're saying. And, like, Black Lives Matter was demonized so quickly. And turn, they, 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 the powers that be, whoever they are, were trying to turn it into this is, like, a terrorist group. We're like, what? You know? and um, Because right. you, you, with anything, you'll get violent people in any group. Right. And so there were violent people in Black Lives Matter. Um, and I'm not saying that wasn't the thing, but that's not Black Lives Matter, you know? Right, as a whole. As a whole. And so um, if I could just say, like, what was scary to me and my friends about Blue Lives Matter was, you know, we had a cop that lived next to us growing up, and he was a he was a nice guy. <laughs> he was a great guy. He, he helped us out. He was friendly with, with me and my brothers. He was a good cop. And um, I think there's this like idea out there that black people hate police. Right. And that we don't like police and we don't need police. And, and that's another thing that's been put, like we never said that. Like <laughs> y'all put that on us. Right. You know what? Some of our issues are, why don't the good cops speak out about the bad cops? Like, why do you guys protect each other? And if you're sitting here trying to tell me there's not a culture of protection within the police, then I'm like, you're lying. Right. I, I, I know people who've been in the police who've told me about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a thing. It's real. 
Um, I've even heard the term, the police are the biggest gang in the United States. Right. You know? Um, right. And so they have There's power. a severe lack of accountability. Right. And, ooh, there's this group here in uh, Dallas that, that we support and we're a part of. It's called Mothers Against Police Brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, and in these meetings, they talk about just some wild things as far as the law is concerned that cops are allowed to get away with as far as I'm not going to quote this accurately, but it's something to the effect of like, you know, if there's a police shooting um, of a citizen, something like the police uh, have like 48 hours before they before they're required to give a statement and uh, they can refuse like a drug test. And there's like all these protections in place to protect the police. You know, but nothing to protect the citizens. Right. Okay. So you have this this group of people with power, with weapons, right? Mm-hmm. And little, very little accountability. Like mm-hmm. that's a recipe for disaster, right? Yeah. So <laughs> when you're when you're driving around town and you see like these blue ribbons tied around trees, like for black people, that's scary because that's it's terrifying. like it's like oh man, like. It, it almost gives the bad ones more rope to do what they want to do. Right. It empowers it them. It empowers like, these them. These people are on my side and I can do, I already can almost do whatever I want and get away with it. And now like society's telling me, like reinforcing that. Yeah. Now, if somebody said to me, blue lives matter and black lives matter, and I see a black and blue ribbon tied up on the tree. Then I might be like, ah, oh, okay. I mean, I can talk to you. Let's see where you're at, you know. Um, but it, it seems to be very tribal, you know. It's like one or the other. And, like, black people that I know will say, obviously, Black Lives Matter. And we'll also say we respect the police. And we're not, nobody's saying get rid of the police. We're saying get rid of the bad ones. And the good ones need to step up and call out the bad ones. So, yeah. That's where and I mean, there's. From. There's so many issues like we could get into there. I don't know if we want to or not. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, and I mentioned this last time, you also, again, context and history, right? When you're saying, um, you know, people think, you know, black folks hate the police and that's not true. It's like, but there is a history there and there can be some animosity there for good reason. Oh, like yeah, it's warranted. Like I mentioned, it's extremely warranted. Right. If people do see that from black folks toward police, right? Like we have this whole, I mean, like I mentioned before, the history of how law enforcement even got started in this country was the policing of black bodies, like controlling the slave populations. And this was especially true in the South. I don't know. I, I would need to look into that to see if it was the same in the North. But um yeah, it was like we need a way to help um, slave owners <laughs> control their slave populations who are trying to escape, right? And tra- for obviously like, for good reason, right? They were being brutalized. Right. And so that was a big part of why law enforcement or maybe the main reason, I'm not sure, but was created was to help police black bodies and keep um, – enslave black folks under the control of um these slave owners and so when you talk about that history 
Um, you know, and then you get into more modern day times of black communities continuing to be over policed and how implicit bias plays in with who police are targeting and who they're pulling over. And then you get into like the drug wars and everything that's been proven and, and that's come out in recent years about the corruption there and how black communities were, were demonized and, and, um, you know, drugs were planted and all that to criminalize black populations. I mean, there's this whole like crazy history that can sound like conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds so crazy. You're like, no, no, not the U.S. Right. But it's like you really start looking into these things. And it's like, you know, a lot of times I feel like as people that were involved in these things when they were younger, as they get older, they they feel like they're on their deathbed. You know, like sometimes you get these deathbed confessions, right? Where people, as they get older and they feel like, okay, I'm not going to go to prison now. And maybe I've lived with this guilty conscience for 50 years. Yeah. And they, you know, start like confessing these things. And there's been a lot of that that's happened regarding a lot of those things I just mentioned. Where um, people that worked for the FBI or whatever have said, yeah, this is what we were doing. I was one of the main people in charge of this. And so when you look at all these different factors, it's like, yeah, black folks have a reason to not trust police. If that's how they feel, Mm -hmm. they have a reason to feel suspicious. They have a reason to feel angry. And even like today, like look at all these cases of um, black folks who are killed um, by police. Look at all the freaking cover-ups how many times almost every single case the police officer or their colleagues other fellow police officers are trying to like you know plant a weapon on the the person or lie oh they were charging at me when really like later the autopsy proves they were shot in the back or you know what i'm saying like hide the video camera the the tape of the the incident i mean there's all of this corruption Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, we saw that with, um, Walter Scott, right in South Carolina, where Mm -hmm. the police officer walked over, he didn't know who was being filmed and dropped, um, what was it? A gun or a drop something right by him just casually, right. Didn't know he was being filmed. We see that in, um, Tamir Rice, like one of the most like heartbreaking, I mean, they're all heartbreaking, but Mm -hmm. you know, this 12 year old child, um, and the police are like, Oh, we yelled at him. A bunch of times to, you know, he was playing with this toy, um, like a BB gun. Oh, yeah, we told him this X many times to put the gun down. And then the the videotape comes out and they literally didn't even stop the car before they just gunned him down. Yeah. Like a freaking drive-by shooting. Mm -hmm. Literally. The police. You know, so I don't know. It's just like, yeah, if, like, black folks have a reason. (laughs) Right. For the mistrust, if that is something the black folks feel, you know, there's a whole history behind that, that I think a lot of times white folks and even other community, non-black communities of color are very um, ignorant about. And we just have been, it's kind of like the way we're, we're brainwashed to look at military in this country. And I'm not trying to down people that, serve in the military or, but there's this national narrative where we kind of have this like hero worship around um, people who serve in the military. 
And that same thing is cultivated in this country around police. And I'm not saying there aren't, you know, those jobs do take courage. Like people are putting their lives on the line. But that national narrative of this like hero worship is cultivated because that helps the state do what the state needs to do without and what the state wants to do without getting so much backlash from everyday people. If they can develop this narrative of like, oh, people who serve in the military heroes and gods and whatever, and the police respect them, right? That helps them control the population or that helps the U.S. be able to go to these other countries and get oil yeah. and kill people for mm-hmm. it, but pretend like they're doing something else, right? So that's part of the national, yeah. right? That's part of the national narrative that helps this country be patriotic and be loyal towards their state and the people who work for the state. Um, so anyways, those are things I think a lot of times people <clears throat> aren't aren't thinking about. And I know I just opened like 25,000 cans of worms yeah. there in like two minutes. No, but yeah, it was, <laughs> as we were kind of talking around um, white supremacy and, and white supremacy and, and you were defining it and giving examples of ways it manifests itself. Um, yes. And so I, I think that, I think those are good points. Um, okay. So what else you got? So you got, or was that what you wanted to say about, um, I guess, kind of defining white supremacy and what you mean? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a thousand different ways it manifests. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that it's we it's necessary to go through all those examples. examples. I mean, okay. so do I you, don't know. So, do, what, so what were you saying again when you were kind of giving a definition of it? I, I don't recall. Um, yeah, so it's basically, it's a... It's an ideology, a set of beliefs that that um, is tied to power, right? It's tied to um, being used to justify the oppression of um, people of color. And I mean, it's basically centered around what we talked about last time, that um, white folks are intellectually, um, physically, emotionally whatever, in all these ways superior um, to other folks and people of color. And that's why it's okay to oppress them, right? So this was kind of an ideology that was needed to justify slavery, Mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, people have, if you're like a healthy person, you have a conscience, right? Unless you're like a psychopath or sociopath, right? You have a conscience, right? People could look at slavery and look at everything that was happening and see that these people are human beings and be like, uh, something about this doesn't feel right, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like people needed to jump through all these hoops in their head to justify, um, why it was okay to enslave black folks. Right. And so that's what white supremacy functioned as and continues to function as right we don't we don't have the enslavement of black folks in the in this country in the way well not in the same way that we did a, you know a couple hundred years ago but we still have the oppression of people of color mm-hmm. and, and and that's so that's still how white supremacy functions it's still used <laughs> to justify so so another example 
right? Take um, uh, Islamophobia, right? So mm-hmm. that's a way, another way that, that white supremacy manifests, right? These people are different and they're, they're terrorists and their, their religion is violent and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, that's white supremacy. Like we're white, we're better than, we're not violent. Like these, these people are just naturally violent because of their, their religious beliefs. And so we're going to use that to make all these discriminatory, um, discriminatory laws or attack Muslim people or bomb mosques or, uh, same with a lot of immigration laws, right? Mm-hmm. Another example of white supremacy, right? Here's these, like I just heard um, recently that um, statistics show that more um, crime is committed by people coming through our northern borders <laughs> than our southern borders in this country. Yeah, there's actually a piece about that on CNN. Um, and they had somebody up on the Canadian border, and I thought that was quite hilarious. Not like right? not, not in a haha funny way, but right. Like, but it's like <laughs> there's no wall are, up there. Right. We're not talking about building a northern wall because those are mostly white folks that are migrating from up there. So then let's look at what's really behind this. Then, if statistics are showing us that you know all this rhetoric about well, these people are criminals and racist and this and that. If that's not true, then what is really true? Well, these are brown folks, mostly coming from our southern borders. So that's what's really going on here. Right. That's really the root issue. So um, I don't know if this was on your list, but it seems like a nice segue. Um, cognitive dissonance. Mm. <laughs> cognitive dissonance. This is one of my favorite terms. Um, well, and my least favorite. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you're talking about it and how they do what they do to these humans. Right. Right. Cognitive dissonance. Where do I even start with that? Why just don't you one, tell me? A... No, go ahead. No, you tell me wh- why. What made you think of that term? Um, I don't know how or when I learned about that. Um, the thing is about cognitive dissonance, like I, um, it's almost like we knew what was happening. And when I heard the, that, that, that term, I was like, oh, that's just, that's just putting words to what we've always known. Right. Putting language, language to, to this, it. this, this, um, reality. But it's, it, it's the thing where. You'll have, uh, I don't know, like a, oh, let me, what's a, what's a good example? Um, like a, let's say there's a riot. Um, oh, okay. No, Hurricane Katrina. This is, I think this is what I remember. Hurricane Katrina, they would talk about the black people as looters. Right. And the white people were, um, survivors. Right. Right. It's like, that's what it is, you know? Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess that's the simplest example I could think of. Like, you would see, like, on the news, and it would be that kind of language. And we're like, wait, right. what? Um, right. But it's always stuff like that, where they're calling us this, and they're calling white people that. And it's always demonizing black people, and it almost justifies the behavior that we get from, you know, law enforcement or whoever it is. It, right. It there's always this, 
this double standard, mm-hmm. right? When people of color behave this certain way, it's, it's, we label it this and language matters, yeah. right? Language matters a lot, like a lot. I even thought of that when, um, you know, when you use the word riot, um, you know, it's like when black folks are protesting something, it's, it's a riot. It's a riot. But if white folks are there, oh, it's like a demonstration or a, a demonstration. protest or, or they're just like celebrating, you know, if it's over like some sports team that wins. I mean, like I lived in a, you know, you're from Ohio. I went to Ohio State. Oh, yeah. Fans will go crazy Flipped over like cars. <laughs> Flip cars, light dumpsters on fire, like all this crazy stuff that's like damaging property. But nobody's saying, oh, look at these looters. Look at these thugs. You know, look at these look at these rioters like, oh, they're celebrating. I'm like, oh, really? Is that really what you call that? Because if those are people of color, that's not the language you, you would be using to describe that, you know. But yeah, cognitive dissonance. I actually have kind of a funny story when I was a freshman in um college and came to school up here um in chicago um the little like opening week speech from the president of the university i remember he used that term and he offered like twenty dollars to anybody in the room and it was all freshmen who could define cognitive dissonance which at the time i was like i don't those are two really big words like (laughs) and then you just put them together i have no idea what you're talking about so nobody nobody else did either nobody got the twenty dollars um and then like years later that term came up again and i was like oh my gosh that's the term i could have gotten twenty dollars if i'd known this like 10 years ago (laughs) anyways yeah but yeah cognitive dissonance um so let me just break it down because it is a big term right so cognitive obviously like refers to the brain thinking ideas that sort of thing and dissonance is um basically this idea when two things come together and they don't seem to um work together so there's this clash right this conflict this tension so cognitive dissonance is basically like if a person holds an idea or a thought or a belief and then um, information comes along that doesn't align and doesn't support these beliefs they hold. There's this tension, right, that people go through, like, and they experience what we call cognitive dissonance, right? There's this disconnect, like, wait a minute, I believe X, but now there's this study or this person's telling me something that totally goes against that. And now I'm confused and now I'm conflicted because I don't know what to think now you know and so i think this happens a lot in conversations around anything having to do with with race um because like we talked about last podcast people have in this country it's pretty much impossible to not internalize um white supremacy or racist beliefs because it's it's so ingrained in our society like i always like to say it's in the air we breathe And so when people start being confronted with um, information that goes against these deeply held beliefs, it can cause, right, a lot of discomfort, Mm -hmm. a lot of um, just internal conflict. And so that's what people mean by cognitive dissonance, because now you're at a crossroads, right? Am I going to investigate this new information and then rework my initial beliefs and try to 
figure out what's really true, you know, or am I just gonna, um, dig my heels in like this is too uncomfortable for me and this is too uh makes me feel too um unstable or this is too upsetting and i'm just gonna like dig my heels in and just reject this new information and i think that's what a lot of people do in order to get rid of this dissonance they feel i think a lot of times people will just reject the new information oh that can't be true or you know like you've mentioned before people will say to you you're just a black man doing your black thing, right? When you talk about racism. So that's a way that people are, or the, the, you know, you're just an angry, angry black person, mm-hmm. right? So those are ways that people can, will refute <laughs> this information that's going against what they believe instead of actually considering that and chewing on it. They're just gonna, um, and I get this all the time too. Like people pathologize me all the time. Oh, when I talk about racism, oh, well, you're just, you just hate white people or you're just hurt. You're just injured and you need to heal. And so that, that therefore everything you're saying is just not true. You know, people will do all these weird, jump through all these mental hoops to, to hang on to these beliefs that they don't, they don't want to rethink. Um, so yes, cognitive dissonance. <laughs> Yeah, it's a they, big, they, yeah, it's a they, big thing. They they won't, they'll like you said, they'll make a lot of the excuses so they don't have to deal with it. Well, and I think it's important to note that cognitive dissonance is actually like a psychological, um, you know, in psychology, this is a this is a it's a psychological term. Like it's something that psychologists have noticed these patterns and came up with this phrase to describe this pattern of behavior. So I mean, it's actually like a psychologically proven thing that happens. And like I said, it it happens a lot in conversations around racism. So that's why I think this term kind of comes up fairly often in people doing anti-racism work. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You'll see it a lot. Or I see it a lot with um, like, um, you'll see it like with uh, police shootings, you know, for example, like, um, I don't know when a black, person gets shot or a black kid gets shot they'll put up images of them they'll find like the worst image they can find you know right. and it's like it'll be them with a backwards hat on and they'll ha- they'll be smoking weed or something right. or it'll be them putting up like peace signs and stuff they're like ah oh, you know see which they, really has no intrinsic meaning whatsoever. Like people wear their hats backwards all the time. Yeah. But they're playing on these stereotypes of black people and black men as quote unquote thugs or yeah, and whatever. It's, it's crazy because like we see it and it's so in your face and we're just like looking at the TV screen with our mouths on the ground and we're like, you are literally saying it was okay for him to get murdered by the cop. Right. That's what you're saying. He right. deserved it. Right. He was a bad person. Right. And then you'll hear it in comparison and ah, this is really bad. Um, but with the with the white male mass shooter, what we hear a lot in, in our circles and when we talk about it, you'll look at the media and they'll have this whole conversation about what went wrong. Yeah. What happened to him? Right. He had a mental health issue. He must have had a hard childhood. Or we don't want to ruin his future. 
he has a bright future, right? Like I'm thinking about, and this isn't necessarily um, about a police shooting, but I'm thinking about Brock Turner, right? Yeah. That young man that sexually assaulted some, like this woman. And it was like, oh, well, look at what a great swimmer he is. And we don't want to, he has this bright future ahead of him, that right? That's not, people aren't giving that to black folks or other people of color. People aren't worried about, their futures, you know. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like so. Like I've I've seen more sympathy for a mass shooter on several occasions than I have for a black male victim who was doing nothing wrong. And it's disgusting. Yeah, it, it, it's disgusting. Yeah, and that's you know, you know, cognitive dissonance. It's like you know what happened. You know, you can't uh, you. It's just, it's so weird. It's so weird to me. It's just, it's so weird that, and I don't, I don't want to get down and go down another rabbit hole here, but it's just something as simple as skin color, you know, it causes you to change the way you view a human. Right. And you're like, I've had it with people I work with, and um, I want to say it's it's kind of innocent. I don't know where we'll be having a conversation about uh, a police shooting or like here in Dallas, it, what do we have here? It's where the, the female cop went into the guy's apartment and shot him. Right. And so we'll be talking about that and then we'll be upset about it. And um, we've been kind of verbal at work about things that we probably HR would not want us talking about. <laughs> We're hey. kind of pissed, so right. <laughs> so, so we talk cares, about right? it, <laughs> right, right, right. And so, and then you'll have like a coworker come up and say something to the effect of like, you know, uh, well, what was he doing wrong? And they're like, why are you questioning him? Why are you questioning the person who's dead? Right. Like, what is that? Like, what is that? Like, what is going on in your brain? <laughs> right. That He's, wouldn't be happening in. A different scenario, right? People I mean, wouldn't be first questioning a victim, <laughs> like a murder victim, right? Yeah. And you see the same, um, you know, you see the same, you mentioned Me Too earlier, um, the Me Too movement. You see this exact same. Oh, Brett Kavanaugh? Um, well, yeah, it's a whole other story, too. Uh, oh, don't get me started. But, but you see the exact same thing with. Um, women who've been victims of sexual assault or, you know, or rape. It's like every, the first question pe that people jump to is like, well, what was she doing or what was she wearing or was she drinking or this or that or the other? And she, it's, she invited again, Yeah. Again, it's this, why, I mean, that's a way that, um, like in the example you mentioned murderers <laughs> or in my example, rapists are being their, you know, kind of covertly being defended or not so covertly, right? When when your first question is to question the actions or the character or the morals of the victim, what does that say? Like, what does that say about you as a person? What does that say about the society we live in? That that would be your first thought. Yeah, that's your go-to position. That's your go-to, right? And, and that is why... You know, people talk about, I don't know if you've heard this, but that we live in a rape culture, much like we live in a white supremacist racist culture. We also live in a rape culture, which is, again, that would be a whole nother 
um, topic. But yeah, yeah why is that your why is that your go to? <laughs> why does that really matter often in these situations? I mean, I agree that the whole context needs to be looked at. But like you said, someone's dead or someone's been raped and we're 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 picking apart their life rather than the person who committed this heinous crime. Come on. And you know, what they, you know really what they like to do up. is they like to find the one example. It happens. This, this train's never late. I like, I like to say that. <laughs> Where <laughs> this train's never late. Oh, there it is. Right on time. Yeah, Every time. <laughs> right on time. <laughs> and it's, it's where. the station. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll find the one example of when it was what they're saying like uh, right exactly like uh, and then that applies to every other situation like one thing i could think of was like kobe bryant um the woman had like set him up or something and she had sex with like eight other people that day and they're like see see she was crazy right you see right i'm like no 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 that one was crazy (laughs) right you can't apply and of course those are the situations that sometimes get a lot of like media coverage but you also get situations like brock turner where he's guilty that get a lot of media coverage i don't think we could say it's just that Mm -hmm. but yeah i quote these statistics okay this i think this is really funny so i'm super nerdy i'm sure you've picked up on that by now i call myself a nerd with social skills because i (laughs) you know i love learning i love research and since i um got out of grad school uh well actually this was just like a month or two ago i would crack myself up i was joking with this friend about somebody who was arguing with me oh yeah it was actually a work situation which i shouldn't go into because i still work there but somebody was arguing with me it was over um kavanaugh the -hmm. whole brett kavanaugh thing and they were arguing with me um obviously taking a super hardcore like pro Kavanaugh stance and basically like insinuating that, Oh, you know, it hasn't, these allegations haven't been proven and she's probably lying, you know, exactly what you're talking about. And, um, so I said a few things, but I didn't like go in, go in because, you know, it's that thing like (laughs) women and people of color have to do sometimes in their workplace. Like sometimes we can't, go in the way we want to because you know we got to pay these bills right Right. (laughs) like and so i said a few things that were pretty straightforward but i didn't unleash and um but i was like venting to a friend afterwards and i was like don't push me like if i come into work tomorrow and you're bringing this up again and in my face about this again i will come out with some irate statistics (laughs) And I was like, OMG, if that doesn't sound nerdy, I rate statistics. I don't know what does. <laughs> but, but what I was thinking about was what you're saying about this whole idea that like women lie all the time, that that's like the norm when women come forward about being assaulted or being raped, when really study after study shows that um, 92, I believe, to 98% of people who come forward about these kind of things are telling the truth, right? So we can pretty much, you know, that's a, that's a huge percentage of truth tellers. So why is there this, you know, common, why is that a go-to? Oh, she may be lying. She's probably lying. Yeah, it happens, but very 
very little, like very few cases is that actually happening. Yeah. You know what I like to point out a lot? Like when people make arguments with with me about things um, and they take these weird positions, um, I often like to take something very familiar to them because that's the only way I could ever really get my point across. I'll take something very familiar to them and I'll put it in and I'll apply it to the situation. Right. What I mean by example is, is this. So I've had guys say to me, you know, well, why they come forward now? Okay. Right. And you'll always hear that. Why did they come forward then? I was like, okay, I hear you. So, okay. Think about this. You ever been in the classroom and your teacher says, you have any more questions? Anybody have any questions? And everybody sits there and they all have a question, but nobody raises their hand. Okay. Then you get one bold person who raises their hand. Right. Right. What happens after that? Everybody raises their hand. Everybody starts asking their questions. Right. Floodgates open. Why is that? Because they're now comfortable. Right. Well, and with the issue of sexual assault, like there's so much. um, I mean, yeah, again, I could quote I could quote my statistics here, like the number, like the percentage of rapists who ever spend like a single day in jail like we're not even talking about like an appropriate amount of time we're talking about even just a single day is i don't i can't remember if it's less than two percent or less than one percent so you know women we know i'm not saying we know in depth but just being a woman and being in this society like we've heard the stories like we've heard stories of women who report and then police don't believe them or their parents don't believe them or they're, you know, and, um, or they do go through the, the legal process and it's horrendous. And I say this as, I didn't plan on sharing this today, but I'm a survivor fairly recently. Mm -hmm. And I went through the entire, I mean, I did, everything right everything that people criticize women you know like i immediately went to the police i immediately went to the hospital and did everything you have to go through there i um went through the justice process cooperating with everything that they wanted me to do to try to uh make this a solid case i went actually went through two uh legal processes because Uh, The perpetrator was in the military. So I first went through the process with the state and then the military started their process. And it was re-traumatizing as fuck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, horrific. And no, nothing out of either of those. Nothing. Like, I was made to look like the one who, you know, was lying or had some sort of vendetta against this person. Which, I mean, this person was a, a... virtual stranger to me like what do i have against this person that that i don't even know Mm -hmm. that i would want to you know like put myself through all of this so when i hear you know people saying all these things about like well why did why now or why did she wait like these people women who go through this and men you know it's men too but mostly women you know this it's traumatizing it's and and a natural um response to trauma is you don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You want to avoid every single reminder of it because, you know, it triggers you and it triggers these intense emotions for those who develop PTSD. 
um, which a high number of rape survivors, you know, develop PTSD because of how traumatic that the assault was. And so it's like if people really understood trauma and really understood what women are up against in in trying to report these things. And like I mentioned, sometimes that's even before going to the police, you know, like, I don't think I would have had the courage or I was so confused and so traumatized. Like, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had wise. It was actually my younger brother, you know, who was like, no, you absolutely need to go to the hospital. Cause I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. I was so just like, not in a good state. Right. Obviously. And he was like, no, you go to the hospital. Like he literally had to tell me what to do and then call the police. And if I hadn't had that wise, cause I had other people telling me, Oh, it's not, you know, that big of a deal. But if I hadn't had like his stern and wise advice, like literally telling what me what to do as a woman in my early thirties, mid thirties, I don't know that I would have even had the presence of mind in the moment to have done that. And so when I think about like, that's the state I was in, in my thirties because of the trauma of the situation. And then we're talking about women who are girls who go through this when they're 12 or 15 or 18 or 25. I'm just like, there's a lot of reasons why women don't come forward a lot. Mm -hmm. And like I said, some of that can have to do with trauma. Some of that has to do with like, we've heard, like I said earlier, we've heard those stories about how women are treated. You know, we've had friends who've gone through that and tried to report and we've heard um, how they were treated by, by the criminal justice system or They've tried to tell their parent. I mean, I know so many women and girls that like have tried to tell and even men that have tried to tell their parents, you know, that and the parents like victim blame them. And so if you're dealing with that as like a 16 year old girl and your, you know, parent is telling you, oh, it's your fault or you shouldn't address that way. Of course, you're not going to go to the police. And so I think a lot of times it takes because we live in such a messed up society in this area as well, sometimes it may not be until 10 or 15 or 20 years later that that person realizes with clarity what they went through, right? Like, oh, that thing that my mom told me or that other people, when they victim blame me, that's actually not true. And I was assaulted and this isn't okay. I mean, sometimes it takes a really long time, unfortunately, (laughs) you know, to get that clarity and to um, move forward. So anyways, lots of reasons, like I said, I I hadn't planned on sharing all that, but Mm -hmm. lots of reasons why um, women don't report often until years later. And then, like I said, even when we do, it's like one to 2% less than that, that even ever go to jail. So, you know, it's not even, I wouldn't say it's worth, it's not worth it because every person has to make that decision for themselves. Mm -hmm. But in my case, you know, I often wonder like how much further along would I be in my healing process and in rebuilding my life if I hadn't spent a year and a half being continually like continued to be screwed over by (laughs) 
<laughs> the legal system. I can't call it the justice system anymore. Like I can't call it. It's not justice. Yeah, that's fair. There isn't justice. Like I can't call it the justice system. And you know, it was really strange for me during this process to when I was going through all that to be like, man, I just spent, you know, two years studying, like being involved in activism against police brutality and seeing all these cases of black folks that, you know, are, are killed and then seeing, you know, these non indictments or, you know, all this injustice in the legal system towards black folks. And then, pretty much a few weeks after I graduated, I find myself in the same boat for a different reason, mm-hmm. right? But facing injustice in the legal system towards towards women. And I think all those situations, whether it's race or um, um, gender, it's like, the legal system, like everything else in this country, was not initially created for the protection of black folks or for women. It wasn't created for our benefit or our protection. It was created to benefit and protect white men. And so when people say like, oh, the system's broken, it's broken. Well, yeah, on one hand, it's, it is broken and de- desperately needs reform. But on another hand, it's actually not broken. It's actually functioning still functioning the way it was created to function. Um, I just got off on a long tangent there. <laughs> well, um, if, if I can say, um, you know, thank you for sharing. Uh, and, yeah. and I only can hope that, um, you know, you sharing that and somebody listening to that, it, it empowers them or, or informs them or educates them and helps them make a, a, a more informed you know, decision about what they want to do um, when faced with, or if they've already been faced with that situation. So, um, yeah. And was, I think, um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just saying no, that that was, um, I think that was good. Well, and to kind of, I don't know, tie that in with another term that I feel like is, um, that I was just discussing with a friend a few days ago um, is this term intersectionality. Have you heard this term before? Um, I have, uh, not in great detail. Can you can you do me a favor though before you go there? Yes. Can you hang on to that real quick? Don't lose yes. your don't lose your thought. I was thinking while you were saying um, a lot of things you were just saying. Um, I don't I don't know why people um, they can't seem to question their belief, whatever that is, whether that's if they believe in the police, if they believe in the military, if they believe in the government, I don't, whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is they believe in, or which could be a number of things. Um, I, I find big issue with people who can't question their beliefs. And I feel like a lot of people um, feel like that's wrong for some reason. Wrong uh, to question their beliefs. Wrong to question their beliefs. And it, it yeah. feels like, their beliefs almost have to be tribal, like in right. nature where it's like all in or nothing. Or they're patriotic. They're being patriotic. Right. Yeah. I, I think that's um, extremely unfortunate because, um, I mean, there could be all kind of reasons why someone's doing that. 
Um, I mean, me personally, I would say, you know, like, if, for example, if it's a white male, I would find it more difficult for him to do that as far as, like, society because it's set up for him. Right. So why would he, uh, you know, uh, attack something that's benefiting him? I think right. it would take some kind of a person to do that. Right. Um, and, like, for example, with Obama, like, I'll just use him as an example. I voted for Obama and um, President Obama. And even in doing that, I was able to question him on a lot of things he did. And I didn't agree with everything sure. he did. Right. It's not like this blind allegiance. Right. Which we've been accused of. I see what I mean, black people. And I'm like, these are little differences that I try to point out to people. I'm like, you can't question anything Donald Trump does. You can't question anything the Republican Party does. You can't question anything that you believe in. I'm able to question things that I believe in because I think that's necessary. And I'm saying all this to relate to how... Um, how you were kind of talking about how you went through like the police and, and the military and uh, it sounds like people were kind of like, well, no, they wouldn't do that. Or I don't know. Right. You know? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, cause he, <laughs> you, you know, know the, my per perpetrator was a captain in the, in the air force. Well, why and would he has, do that? Because he's, you know, he's, he's a, an upstanding, he's an upstanding citizen. citizen. He's a hero. He's serving. He's giving his life for this country. He's a good intrinsically, right? Like a flawless person. He couldn't have done this. Right. Right. And I, I, when, I hate that. Yeah. When reality shows that sexual assault in the military is a massive issue. And of course they have all this rhetoric around, Oh, no tolerance, no tolerance. I mean, I actually called out one of the guys that was, um, doing the and handling the investigation, my my case, um, but on the military side, and you know when they made that phone call, that I'll never forget that is he was like stuttering. He was this like super confident. You know, like the first time I talked to him, he was like, "Hey, I'm Captain So and So, and I've been head of blah 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 for ten years." You know, like super confident, like in control. And then that phone call when he called me to tell me that they weren't gonna do anything. He was literally stuttering, like, uh, uh, um, well, I, uh, you know, just called to tell you, um, um, you know, I mean, for like a minute. So, he so knew. I'm like, he obviously knew. He knew. He knew. He knew. What he was about to tell me was a load of bullshit. I mean, we had everything. We had a taped confession. We had DNA. I mean, we had everything. Everything. Like, what more do you need? Is that like, what, you want a videotape? You know, like it's not realistic. Like we had ever, we had all the evidence. And even then. And even then, and I went to the police right away and I, you know, cooperated. So when people are always like, well, she didn't do this right. I'm like, no, that's not actually it. Cause here's somebody who did everything quote unquote, right. And I'm not shaming anyone who doesn't do these things. Cause some people aren't able to, like I had a really good support system around me and it was still one of the most difficult things I've ever been through to go through the legal process. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, some people just aren't in a position to be able to do that. Um, but yeah. Oh wait, what? I, I lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, we put people up on these pedestals and it's like with, with um, the case and, and this ties back in, it's kind of like the whole 
people thinking of white supremacy in this very extreme version yeah. of the KKK. It's the same with this. Like people who are abusing, sexually abusing children or men who are rapists, like these are everyday people. These are people, these are police officers. These are captains in the Air Force. These are, you know, doctors. Like we saw that with that whole Larry Nassar I mean, hundreds of women that he girls that he sexually abused in the time of his, you know, over the course of his practice. Like these are these are people in the pulpit. Right. These are your neighbor. But we don't want to think about that because, one, it's scary. Right. That's mm -hmm. really scary. Right. And I get that. So we don't want to. So we want to think we want to think of rapists as like these men who jump out of the bushes, these strangers. And the truth is like most, the vast majority of women are assaulted by someone they know. You know, this is someone they know. It's not a stranger mm -hmm. hiding in the bushes, but that's scary. You know, it's scary to think about, especially if you're like a parent with kids. And I get that, but I'm, you know, we've talked about this before. Like I'm the kind of person that like, I want to know the truth of something, even if it's scary, even if it's disturbing, even because how else are we supposed to navigate this world in a truthful, holistic, like honest way if we're burying our heads in the sand and we don't even want to look at the reality of the society we live in, mm -hmm. you know? So, yeah, captain in the Air Force and um had aspirations he had also been in the medical field before and had aspirations of becoming an anesthesiologist <laughs> like if that isn't scary as hell Shit. i don't know what is i mean like i'm not even kidding you because right you know he's taking some of that stuff home oh my gosh that was like a huge accusation get... by the way what's that so i just made a huge accusation by the way but if you got a person that's willing to you know to do what he did. He's a predator. What's he like, going to do? He's going to pocket some of that stuff. I think, right. Home. Exactly. He's a predator. And this is something like I learned so much through this process. Sorry, we're getting off on such a tangent right now. But, um, you know, we always think of, I, I think in the popular imagination, right. In the same way we think about white supremacists as KKK and rapists as being strangers in the bushes. You know, we think of, um, we think of predators or we use that terminology often to describe people who are abusing children, right? But it's like, no, this is a grown man, almost 40 years old, who is a predator preying on, well, probably children too. I have reasons to believe children too, in his case, but also preying on grown women, Right. So like that was also kind of a, a light, one of the many light bulbs I had during this process, because he, you know, prior to the assault, went through the whole process of grooming, just like you read about predators grooming children, like setting them up to trust them and tell like all these things to gain trust and gain access and gain um, like privacy with this person to be able to do what they're going to do. He did all that with me in a very short period of time was very skilled at it very skilled creepily skilled <laughs> and um so yeah anyways we're getting off on <laughs> no but a lot of topics but, here but, but good information 
and um, it just gives me ideas for things we can talk about definitely more in depth in, in the um, in the future. Um, yeah, and and what I was going to say earlier about this intersectionality. Yeah, I was going to. Are we right cool with going it. there now? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, we're really not like off topic, right? Not right. that we have a set topic we have to talk about, but intersectionality is. Um, so it's a term by Kimberly Crenshaw. So I'm going to give that acknowledgement where it's due because I think this term is amazing. It was definitely like this huge light bulb for me when I understood what this term is. So basically, the term this term intersectionality describes um, the fact that we all have multiple layers um, or, or, or multiple identities, right? And multiple aspects to who we are. So for instance, just to give an easy example, right? So someone can can face oppression or marginalization or discrimination based on their race. Say you're a black person in the US, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna face um, racism. But if that person is also a black woman, then they're also gonna face oppression based on being a woman, right? All these things we just talked about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's like intersectionality. There are multiple levels where someone can and multiple ways that someone can um, experience oppression. So if you add on to that, right, say someone is a Muslim, right, in this country where Christianity is the the predominant religion and the, the social quote unquote norm, right? Society's built around Christian holidays and, and, you know, catering to Christianity. So if you're Muslim, that's another intersection. I hold on. I think that's right? a that's great another... point you just made that I don't think people realize is that our holidays are centered around the, the Christian religion. It's yeah. very, it's a very simple thing, but I don't think people realize that. Right. That's all. It's like we get all this time off for, you know, Christmas or whatever. Well, what if you're a Muslim and you don't celebrate Christmas? Are you getting time off work to celebrate your religious holidays? No. No. You're not. Um, (laughs) I made this joke. It wasn't even a joke. I don't know what it was. Yesterday, just really quick, um, somebody asked me if I had Monday off uh, with it being uh, Martin Luther King Day, I believe. And I said, uh, no, uh, we we don't have Monday off. I said, my company's racist. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a black man. I don't get Dr. King's day off. <laughs> and I I do stuff like that to push buttons sometimes because right. I think it's 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 kind of funny, but no. It's... But yeah, so not to like just you know overly emphasize this point, but with the intersectionality, you know, you can keep adding on. Like, say you're part of the LGBTQIA community, right? That adds another layer. So basically, that. Um, there's just lots of different areas where people can face um, discrimination, oppression, marginalization. And just because you understand oppression in one of those areas doesn't mean you understand oppression in all across the board, right? Right. You can be a black man, but that doesn't mean you don't um, have a lot to learn about how, you know, women are oppressed or you can be um, a white person who's part of the LGBTQ community, but that then you understand oppression on from that level, but you don't understand maybe racial oppression, you know? So there's just all these different layers. And then I think it's also an important point to note that um, intersectionality works the other direction too. I don't think this was like the original maybe intent of the 
or definition of the term, but basically like people's privilege is intersectional too, right? So Mm -hmm. just kind of flip that around. Like if you're, you know, white in this country, that gives you certain privileges, racial privileges and certain blinders that you're going to have and certain ways that you might be enacting um, oppression, reinforcing, you know, white supremacy or racism towards others. But then you can add to that. What if you're white and you're male? Then you also have <laughs> like the privilege of not having to navigate society as a woman. You have that male privilege. And then what if you're straight? And then what if you're Christian? And then what if you're, you know, then I think those blinders can just build and build and build and build where it's really hard to see outside of this um society that was made for your benefit and and it's really hard to see how other people live um i heard this really interesting analogy one time that it was um it's like a triangle Mm -hmm. and it has different levels to if you kind of break the triangle up into different um levels and the higher up you go on the triangle towards the little you know point Mm -hmm. it's like that's your privilege, whether it's racial, financial, gender, sexuality, um, you, you go higher and higher and higher up in this triangle. And so the analogy is, and, and obviously like the lower you are in these areas of privilege, you'll be lower in the triangle towards the wider part, you know, on the bottom of the triangle. So the, the analogy is that it's easy for people on the bottom to see up, like to see how other people are living in more privileged ways, again, be it wealth, you know, financial wealth or, or be it racial privilege or be it, you know, based on gender. But it's really hard for people at towards the top of that triangle to see down, to see how people less privileged are experiencing life and what they're going through. And I think in general, you know, that's I think that's really true. I think that's really true. Yeah, that's really interesting. And because I was literally, literally getting ready to ask you about what you were just talking about before you said it. Because I was sitting here thinking to myself while you were talking, I was like, huh. Um, I've had these thoughts, but I've never really spent a lot of time thinking about it. Um, but I like me being a black male, I mean, I, I think the answer to this is very obvious. But I'm like, uh, I wonder if that allows me to um, relate more to women's issues. And what they might be experiencing as far as discrimination or you know Hispanics at the border or whatnot, because I experienced my own kind of you know um, issues, and so right. it's easier for me to understand that they have issues and things that they're dealing with. Right, exactly. It it looks a little different, but you already have like a frame of reference yeah. for marginalization and oppression, and so it's not as hard, I think, right, to, we talked about this in my own experiences growing up, right, that being a a woman of color, right, even though I'm I'm not black, um, but it was easier for me once I finally, I mean, it took a long time, but once I finally started really getting things, I think it was easier to understand because I already knew that racism existed, and I already knew that these things were reality, but just learning how that exists differently for other people. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's yeah, yeah it's that's, very true. That's interesting, really quick, and also how you said um, it works the other way. I've never mm-hmm. heard anybody say that, 
Um, but you kind of, it's one of those things where like you just kind of know these things, but you put language to the to the to the uh, to the things that are happening. You put words to it. Like right. I was saying with uh, cognitive dissonance, like we know it's been happening, but we didn't know that word right. or how to articulate it. So when you right. say it works the other way, saying like, you know, uh, if you could be a white male Christian, I don't know, in the military, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, heterosexual, heterosexual, former cop. <laughs> able-bodied former cop right? <laughs> you know? and i'm not saying all those things are bad but i'm saying that could create issues as far as seeing reality exactly of what other people go through <laughs> right? yeah well and actually one of my friends that i was discussing our last podcast with um she brought that up she wrote down like a couple notes of things that stood out to her i might this might bring some heat <laughs> by me mentioning this but she i don't even remember saying this mm -hmm. or you saying this but she said that one of us said something about white man who white men who think they have all the answers or something i don't even remember this so i'd have to go back and listen mm -hmm. but that's what got us into talking about this intersectionality because i was telling her like yeah like i've had hundreds of conversations with people about racism over the past how many ever years right and unfortunately you know you start to see patterns right when you do something over and over and over and over again patterns start to emerge and you know unfortunately in in my experience a lot of my most stubborn most angry most hostile most closed-minded people tend to be white men and i and that's not always the case, but most often. And I think that's because there's all those layers of privilege and power and that just make that bubble that they're in small, can make it just smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller where it's like they think their experience of the world is the norm, yeah, is the, the experience, experience. Yeah. the experience that everyone has. And it's like, well, I have it. You know, so many people like – I feel like walk around with this attitude of, well, I haven't experienced, so if I haven't personally experienced it, can't be it happening. Can't be true. And I'm like, that's the most ridiculous, illogical, and and it's like a lot of these things you're not going to experience. Like if you're if you're a male, how are you going to experience like the sexism that women face in the society? You're not going to. Like if you're white, and you're never going to experience it. Right? How like could you white, understand it? How are you going to experience like racism and anti-black oppression? You're not going to. So if you're like walking around like until it happens to me, uh, it's not real or it's a lie, then mm, that's a problem. Like, that's a huge problem, yeah. right? Because this isn't even – you're not even part of the group that's affected. So why would you think that this is going to happen to you? Why is that your litmus test for the truth of these realities? Like it has to happen to me. And I mean, those, and those are a lot of the arguments I would get in. Like I remember years ago before I did a nice big um, Facebook cleaning out, um, there was this white, straight, Christian man, <laughs> able-bodied man um, from the era where I um, grew up who, you know, we were talking about um, police brutality towards blacks. And he's like, well, 
I've been pulled over by the police and I've always been treated with the utmost respect. And that was his like argument as to why, you know, there couldn't be anything yeah, wrong. I've heard, that like one. Happening. I've heard that one before. And I'm just <laughs> like, and that proves what? Like, okay, why did you even bring that up? That's not even relevant to this conversation. We're not talking about white men being pulled over by police. We're talking about black people. Like, so why is that even relevant? <laughs> like, why, why are you even bringing that up? Next. <laughs> Next. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, intersectionality, I, like I said, big fan. Lots of thanks to Kimberly Crenshaw for, for that because yeah. I think it's huge. So... We're an hour and a half in, and we've we've covered, <laughs> we've covered three terms. <laughs> we haven't even talked about racism. That's like the most important term, like yeah. systemic racism versus interpersonal. Mm-hmm. But we can do that next time. But yeah, I mean, we didn't even get I'm, to that. I'm, I mean, uh, how are you doing here on time? What are you looking at? I'm okay on time. Um, we you want to do one more? You want to do? Let's like, do that one. You want to do racism or, or what you were saying there? Yeah, let's do that one. Okay. Because I think that one's that one's probably the most important. Okay. <laughs> Break this up into a two-parter, <laughs> so people aren't like, "Oh my gosh, like, yeah. I don't have time for this for this two and a half hour podcast." Yeah. Um. Okay. Ready to launch? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So we kind of talked about this a little bit, I think, in a uh, off the podcast conversation we were having is that. Um, I think a lot of, um, misunderstandings happen in between white folks and people of color in conversations about racism, because a lot of times, I mean, there's lots of reasons for that, but I think a lot of times we're not even defining terms the same way. Right. And so I think I had expressed to you, like when I talk about racism, occasionally I'm talking about And this isn't even like an official term. This is just what I call it to distinguish it from systemic racism. I call it like interpersonal racism, right? So Mm -hmm. like something that's happening um, between two people or on on a micro level, like two people or a small group of people. um, I think that's what most white folks think of when they think of racism. Like, oh, somebody called you the N-word or somebody – didn't hire you because they're white and you're Asian and they, 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 you know, are assuming you're whatever the stereotypes about you. Um, but in academia, in the study of racism and, and where I'm coming from, when I talk about racism, the majority of the time, 80% of the time I'm talking about systemic institutional racism. And that's something that I think systemic racism, institutional racism is not like a commonly understood term in this country. Like I think there's pockets of people like activists or black folks or, you know, that maybe understand the the systemic nature of racism in this country. But I think for the most part, people think of this micro level and they're not thinking of the macro. And you, you have to understand the macro to understand <laughs> the society and why we're why we are where we are. So right. let's talk about what is systemic racism? What is what does that mean? What is institutional racism? Um well, first of all, like I always say, you should google it because there's a lot of good definitions out there. There's a lot of 
you know, dig into it, figure this out, but just kind of a brief um, summary of what I, what is meant by that is, you know, racism in this country wasn't just like, oh, these white people that are in the KKK or these slaveholders don't like these people and they're oppressing them. It was like those beliefs, so like the white supremacist beliefs, like what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. racist beliefs were put into law, right? Like, and we we kind of know this, right? Like Jim Crow laws, like it was in the laws of this country, like segregation. That but, was, but Leah, that was so long ago. Right. Bear with me. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. What a great point, Matt. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Um, but so you have to understand, right, that, that racism in this country was in embedded into our laws on every single level, like education, the, the, the legal system, um, all these different ways. And so that's what we mean by systemic. It's in the systems, institutional racism. It's in our institutions. It's been institutionalized on a macro level. I don't think people even know that. What you just said. I don't think people even know that. Right. We don't systemic means. We don't think about that part of it. And maybe it's easier for people to understand, you know, like, last podcast when we were talking about apartheid in South Africa, that's what I was saying. The power in naming the system, like apartheid isn't talking about, Oh, this interpersonal racism. Apartheid is referring to this vast system of racist laws that this entire, the modern day society of South Africa was built on. And that's why, and it's the same in the U S right. Our entire you know, basically to take it way back there in the day, right, we had colonizers. We like to refer to them as pilgrims, but really they were colonizers <laughs> who came to this country yeah. and started to um, enact genocide towards indigenous people, towards native native peoples. And they were the ones that started to build you know, the government of this country and the law enforcement and the education system out of these white supremacist ideas and values. So, of course, that's going to be the kind of laws they're putting into effect and the kind of systems that they're um, putting into effect. And so, um, you know, back to your point that you brought up, but that was so long ago. Well, here's the thing. When something is um, systematized and institutionalized, that's not just going to go away. That's embedded in the laws and in the institutions of our country, in our government, in everything. And so just because, you know, some of those laws were changed, you know, like slavery became illegal or Jim Crow laws or segregation became illegal. So yeah, some of those racist laws, some of those institutionalized <laughs> racist laws were were repealed. Yeah. But that doesn't mean the entire system has been changed. Right? So we still have a lot of and and that's basically what like these conversations about mass incarceration of black and brown people. That's what that's getting at is basically saying the whole prison system which includes 
the police force because they're the ones that are <laughs> feeding into the the prison prison population. Um, that whole system is is built on white supremacy and built on racism. That's systematized. That's institutionalized in our prison system. Um, Michelle Alexander has a book, um, you know, the new Jim Crow is what she titled it. Right. Mm -hmm. That's about mass incarceration. That's why she gave it that title. She's basically saying Jim Crow was how systemic racism, um, was manifesting, (laughs) you know, 60, whatever years ago. Now we're, we're highlighting mass incarceration. Not that it's a new thing that's been around for forever, but now we're highlighting that, So, yeah, just because some of those um, racist laws have have been changed, there are still plenty of racist laws that are and systems that are still functioning as designed. And and it kind of gets back to to tie it in, too, with what I said earlier about, you know, the laws in this country weren't created to protect people of color or women or Muslims, or it was, they were created to protect a certain population. And until we change that, it's still functioning that way. Right. Like it's still, so in the case of, of women, you know, it's like women, it used to be illegal for women to own land or illegal for women to file for divorce or illegal for women to work or go to school. Right. Mm -hmm. So, that's where we started and yeah some of those things have changed or changed somewhat over the years but not everything has been um corrected yet right and so there's still a lot of work left to be done and so that's also why i say um i make comments all the time about you know if people are upholding or maintaining the status quo in this country then you're likely supporting white supremacy or you're likely upholding sexism or patriarchy or homophobia because the status quo, because the status quo in this country from the beginning of like the U S as a nation state was built on those things, patriarchy, sexism, white supremacy, racism, homophobia, (laughs) Islamophobia. Right. And so Today, because a lot of those things are still playing out today um, systemically, then if you're, you know, just, you know, people always want to think like, oh, I just want to be neutral. Like, I'm a peacemaker. I love peace. Right. Like, namaste. I'm just going to be neutral. Yeah. And I'm like, well, neutrality. Right. And I'm not the first person who said this. There's been plenty of other people who've said this. Right. Like neutrality, staying quiet that always supports the oppressor that never supports the oppressed. Like the oppressed never make progress without a fight and blood, sweat and tears and many people giving their lives. Like that's just, that's how it works. And so when I hear people say things like that, I'm like, okay, but you're, you're on the wrong side of the fence, whether you realize it or not by, by your quietness, by your peace, quote unquote, by your neutrality, you're actually supporting oppression and that's you know a big part of like why i open my big mouth a lot (laughs) is because i believe that i believe we need more people to speak out i believe we need more people that are willing to face the backlash or white lash as i call it in 
concerning issues of racism, like more people willing to go there and face whatever it is that you have to face. Um, because that's the only way that, that change is brought about. Um, and I also think about this when people talk about, Oh, like, you know, those conversations that people are like, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyways about how, oh, well, racism is just going to naturally kind of die out, right? Because all the racists are old people. And so once that generation kind of dies off, then we're just like magically going to be in a better place. Or when people say things about, oh, well, look at all the like interracial marriages and mixed folks and all the you know, mingling that's happening. So we're all going to be brown and racism is just going to go away. Like, no, that's not how. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty <laughs> of things... that, by the way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, you're but not like, going to, you know, you're not going to offend me. No, I, I've been like, guilty of saying things like that in the past. Right. It's like, if we look at the history in this country of people who've been oppressed, none of that has ever gotten better without literally like bloodshed. And lots and lots and lots of work and protests and advocacy and sit-ins and people, you know, like advocating for legislative change. And I mean, it's taken work, like work. So if we think like we're just going to sit back and somehow we're in a new era and things are just going to magically work themselves out. Like, no, the reason we're in a new era right now is because of people's work like activists and advocates and people are working to bring light, you know, hashtag black lives matter, hashtag me too. People are working to go against the status quo and to bring alternate narratives and all, you know, other information to public awareness. So it's work. Like if we're in, if we're in any sort of better place now than we were hundred years ago or 50 years ago or two years ago, right? It's because people have put in work to make that happen. And so, yeah, I mean, that's not maybe what people want to hear, but <laughs> I feel like that's, that's how these things work if we look back historically. And then, you know, with the whole like, oh, well, by 2050, we're all going to be brown or whatever people think. It's like, are people not aware of colorism? <laughs> like just because so many people are a shade or two darker or whatever people think is going to happen in the next 30 years. Um, white supremacy is still, that doesn't mean that's going to go away. It will like, we evolve. Know, well, it will evolve. And we know that like the whole lighter is better, right? It's not just that white is right. There's also colorism, right? Where lighter is better, right? Because you're, you're, Close, the closer you are to whiteness, the better you are, right? It's that idea. That's not going to go away just because some people are a little darker, you know? <laughs> um, so anyways, there's my cynicism. There's my real realism. Um, if I could put <clears throat> a quick real-life example to what you just said. Um, have you seen the trailer for the movie Us? I haven't. Um, did you see Get Out? Yes, I did. Yeah. So the director is uh, Jordan Peele. Yes. I believe. Oh, and he's yes, yes. You're right. You're right. And so he's got this movie called Us that's coming out. Okay. And the thing, if you noticed about Jordan Peele, his cast of black people are usually dark. 
Right. Right. Okay. Yes. And so with the trailer for us come out, it, like when we get done, just go check it out. Just YouTube it. It stars La Lapita uh, Nuango. Yes. And, um, Amazing. And uh, there's another guy from Black Panther, a really dark guy. Not, not as dark as Lapita. And the kids are really dark. And so right. it's a really dark cast, okay? Which that's intentional. <laughs> it's right? very intentional, intentional, right? <laughs> it's so um, people don't some people don't notice that. And so I've asked, and you can just guess who who kind of gives me these responses. I talk to black people and they're like, Oh yeah, like I can't wait to see it. And I've gotten some really lukewarm responses from non black people. I won't say just white people, uh, from non black people. Um, and, and, that don't understand the importance and the significance of that. Right. And, but what they'll say is like, ah, yeah, you know, I saw the trailer. It's not for me. Whatever. Right. You know? Right. And it's not a, understanding it's a, it's the a, importance <laughs> of the representation and who's being represented. These are dark, dark skinned black folks, not, you know, which is often not who Hollywood chooses right. to cast. And that's not right? appealing to certain groups of people right uh and right. it can even be black people exactly like right. you were saying with colorism like it can be like ah like because you're so ingrained with seeing certain people on the big screen you put up these right. really chocolate black people and forgive me if that offends anybody i'm black i can say what i want uh <laughs> <laughs> you put up these sorry, really <laughs> you put up these really dark <laughs> black people and like some people are are not into it and I don't even think they even know why. Right. Because we're not used to um, blackness being upheld as beautiful or upheld as desirable or upheld as pursuable. Right. Yeah. So, or if it is blackness, it's, it's light skinned blackness. <laughs> yeah. I might get in trouble here too. I'm not black, so I can't say what I want. <laughs> <laughs> So, I uh, so there's that. I've, yeah, I've been cataloging these like responses just mentally, and like I've heard, like I said, non-black people just look at the trailer and say, "Yeah, like, I saw it." Yeah, I don't think yeah, I don't think I want to see it. And I was like, hmm, I you wonder. Know, I wonder why. You know what? <laughs> I think about this a lot as you know, because as much like internal work as I've done to to undo all of my like racist conditioning and all of that there's still like things that'll pop up for me sometimes that i'm like hmm wait a minute like what what's going on here let's introspect let's figure this out so speaking of this um uh oh here comes another confession so i <laughs> over the years i have occasionally watched followed some seasons of uh, the bachelor or the bachelorette mm. i know i know <laughs> i'm gonna it's be okay judged. we're all allowed you know <laughs> I'm going to be judged. Or, uh, um, you know, guilty pleasures. Uh, and I haven't for a couple of years. But the last season that I followed was they had a black bachelorette. Rachel, I think was her name. This was a couple of years ago. And I was so intrigued because, you know, the bachelor and bachelorette typically features a very certain, especially as their main, as the bachelor or the bachelorette, right? It's usually someone white, like super good looking blah 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 you know straight it's 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 a very like certain category 
And a lot of the people they bring on there as the, you know, potential hope, the hopeful lovers <laughs> also fit into those categories. And so I'm, of course, always analyzing like racial dynamics and all these dynamics that are playing out. So I was super intrigued to watch this Is the first like black bachelorette, like what, you know, like racism issues of race are going to come up. Right. Like, so I was kind of intrigued to watch this show um, and analyze all this. Well, about halfway through or something, I don't even remember what thought I had or what popped into my mind, but something was like bothering me or felt weird. And I was like, what, what is happening here? And as I like dug into it, I realized it was a new experience for me to see a black woman be like the object of men's pursuit, men of all races, black men, Asian men, white men, that I, I wasn't used to seeing that on uh, on tv yeah and i was like damn that's how deep this goes (laughs) that's how deep this goes that somebody who's like i'm committed to like getting this stuff out of me and recognizing this stuff when it's happening that that didn't even that was more like a visceral response before and i had to like think through it to even you know it wasn't like something i immediately recognized yeah, but so, it's not normal. That you don't see that. Right. Because black women aren't are portrayed in very negative ways. White women are held up as the standard of beauty. So what does that mean for black women? That uh, the 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 opposite side of that coin is if white women are the standard of beauty and white features and white skin and straight hair then what there's obviously the opposite message for for black folks and for black women. And so to see that playing out for her being, you know, to, to be this like object of desire that all these men and men were just competing to, you know, be with her. It was like, damn, I don't, I've rarely seen that uh, and uh, on TV and you can't, you know, and that feeds into, again, everything we talk about, about these things we internalize that feeds into like, you're internalizing that in one way or another (laughs) again whether you recognize it or not and i didn't until that moment um what was happening um you want to hear something crazy um of course i do (laughs) (laughs) i confess lots of things this episode (laughs) Uh, beyond uh black men uh you know loving black women you know who else loves black women Uh uh-oh white men love black women Secretly, um, yeah. in my opinion, um, That's I've inter- seen an interesting. Thought. I've, go ahead, go ahead. I've, I, I could even take this back as far as slavery, because me and my mom have talked pretty in depth about this. Um, as far as the raping, you know, of black women, like why, why are the you know masters always running out right. and, and, and sleeping with the black women if they're so nasty? You know, right. they're so like, what are you doing? You know, why are you out there having the sex with them? Right. Right. This goes it. out. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying this. This goes back to slavery. Why? Why dudes love black women? It's the same things that you see today with. I think we talked about it last episode where you'll have um, some white people um, appropriate black culture. 
Uh, they love right. it. They love it. They love it. They will they'll never tell you that, though. They love it. But it's this weird mix of, like, love and hate or love and dehumanization or love and but I still think it's inferior, right? It's often this strange mix, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's Absolutely. not just love when you say like love. It's no, not no, like I, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not, like, I don't want a blanket statement, <laughs> everything. I'm, I'm speaking very generally here, loose. Right. I'm not being very responsible with my, <laughs> with, your words. with my words. <laughs> I'm just talking shit. Matthew, um, <laughs> be responsible with your words. <laughs> words are important. Um, but I've, I've seen a lot of that in my life where uh, uh, white guys um, will often um, have affection for, for some black women, but they won't, they won't, you know, it'll be secret. Um, right. Won't, won't be real exposed. and it'll Or it's real fetishy. Yeah. <laughs> well, but back to what um, I have to throw this in there because this mm -hmm. goes along with what you just said about, you know, historically white men and black women and the rape and all of that. But I, um, I, man, I wish I could remember who said this. I just heard this or read this like a couple weeks ago and I'm blanking on who it was. So I can't, I'll have to do my research to figure out who to credit it to. But it was basically to summarize, it was like, um, you know, back in the day, white men were only, they were anti-segregationist in the daytime, but they were pro integration at night yeah right and it's basically getting to what you just talked about and obviously that quote is leaving out the horrors and the power discrepancy and the rape and the assault and you know all of that it's kind of like sanitizing it a little bit but you get the point it's like these these and, and i'm generalizing but in general right white mm -hmm. folks that were like ah like no you know, we can't integrate. That's wrong and pro segregation. But then, <laughs> in the bedroom, right? Or right. it was a whole different story. And so. maybe we can get into that a little bit um, next time we talk. Because I think last time we were speaking, we were just getting into uh, racial fetishes. Yes, um, so and maybe... I was super pumped to, and kind of nervous, but mostly pumped <laughs> to talk about that today. Yeah. But yes. So how far? Time. How far do we get? with your terms um i mean i think we hit we hit the big biggest ones i think some of the most important ones i always think systemic institutional racism is the biggest one that people need to understand uh, if i can tell y'all to go do your homework <laughs> and go read and google and talk and figure it out until you can explain what that is to other people you know they say like you don't really know something until you can effectively teach it to someone else so if there is a certain like one term that i would emphasize that people really need to understand in detail it's that systemic institutional racism okay. and then you know so i think we've hit i mean i think colorblindness could be another really good one to hit i mean there's others there's always others but i think some of those will naturally come up in our conversations too yeah and maybe and when they come up we can make sure we take a second to yeah, I'll try to be intentional about breaking some of those down yeah. a little bit more as we move forward. Okay. Oh, and internalize racism, which internalize. that one should be kind of maybe self-explanatory, but I think that one's really important too, which we've kind of talked about that one a lot, I think last time and this time. But okay. um, 
Yeah, I, I think we, we, we covered most of the big ones. Okay. Um, well, this is uh, approximately 15 minutes longer than our last one. Um, we're, <laughs> no. over, we're, we're over the two-hour mark. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to put this all in one episode. I'm like, just chew on this steak. Okay, chew on this really big, Of course you are. Big, I already had complaints steak. last time that it was too long, and now we've gone even longer. But hey, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Serve like, There's a podcast I listen to. It's called Trumpcast. Uh, and their episodes are like 30 minutes tops. And, I, I, and they do it. It's too short. And uh, I'm always wanting more. I'm like, what, what, okay. wait, 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 oh, oh. See, because you and I are people, you're, I, I'm getting the sense you're somebody that likes long, deep conversations, right, about this kind of stuff. Oh, and I, I am too. Yeah. Or you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. I right. wouldn't be <laughs> your guest if I didn't enjoy this, right? Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, if people are hungry enough to learn or to hear or just whatever. Yeah, this you is know, not the fluff guess podcast. I mean, <laughs> well, you listened to that one episode um with when I had uh, the other podcast guest on uh, Speak Between the Lines, and we had a lot of fun there. Uh, Your fun is over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fun time is over. <laughs> but the whole point, and I'm learning this as I go, and, and it's evolving. But the whole point of the Grip podcast was to get a grip on life. Right. That's why I called it the Grip. And uh, I was like, oh, it's, you know, it's also catchy, you know, Grip. So, um, <laughs> you know, entertainment. And here we so, are. Here we are. And I'm like, that's the whole point is to get a grip on life, to turn stereotypes on their head, to talk about real issues. Um, I like to have a diverse, you know, group of guests come on and and talk about whatever issues they are dealing with in their lives. And I like to get their perspective. So it's not a fluff podcast. You know, I mean, I, I do some fun things here and there, but um, I, I often get accused of being too dramatic and being too... <laughs> You know, because I'm also a music producer, and um, a lot of my music is, like, dramatic sounding. My wife is like, Jesus, Matt, like, could you make something happy? I'm like, life is not happy. Life is sad and dramatic. Life has been a struggle. <laughs> you don't know what it's like out here in these streets. <laughs> you know? So, I, I wanted, I want substance. Well, but in all seriousness, right? I mean, I think it is easier for some folks to focus on or to be light and fluffy if that's been more of their life experience. I mean, we all deal with crap in life. Like, nobody gets out of that. But, you know, some people deal with a lot of crap. Back to the intersectionality thing. So, like, yeah. you know, I'm just kind of like, this has been, this is my life. Like, this is what my life has been. And if that's too serious for you, like... I don't know. Maybe my personality just isn't for you, or maybe your life has been easier, and so you haven't had to think about these things as much, or I don't know. I mean, I'm not making a blanket statement. I, I realize, like, people that are more serious, like myself, like, I need to intentionally have times where I am not serious, and I have fun, and, you know, that's important, too. Yeah, balance is but, important. Yeah, yeah. But I think, but I think I'm more focused on like you, kind of the elephants in the room or the truth people want to avoid that we really need to look at because avoiding it's really hurting us. Yeah, otherwise I'm like, you know? like, what are we doing here? 
like nothing's ever solved by sweeping issues under the rug. And I think about that a lot, you know, like in what area of life, you know, like think about a, a relationship, a dating relationship or a spouse, like you're just going to sweep things under the rug. Is that really ever, does that work? Nope. Does that work? How does that work out for you? Right? <laughs> like it doesn't work. And yet as a society, we try to do these, we try to do the very same thing with topics that are hard or we don't want to look at. And it just, it's not going to get us anywhere, right? you know? So might as well talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> And have a little fun while we're at it, right? We well, had some jokes in there. I had a joke like, or two. two. Yeah. <laughs> Just probably actually two. Um, I laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's humorous, right? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> so um, let me see here. That's pretty much it. I guess we'll wrap up there at the two-hour and six-minute mark. And uh, <laughs> we'll... Um, We'll pick up. Uh, I don't know. I, I got some guests coming on next week, and we're going to talk about religion and aliens. And, uh, <laughs> well, <that's not> fascinating. <laughs> don't miss that. Okay. Because I have some strong opinions <laughs> about that. Religion and aliens. When you said diverse guests, you weren't joking, were you? <laughs> yeah. And... I'll give you just a sneak peek about what I'm going to talk about and oh for you and, and the listeners. So this is... I'm scared. This is an unpopular unpopular opinion I have. Okay. Okay, so God, right? <laughs> if you believe in God, you got you to gotta let me get through this. I can't. I'm like laughing already. Sorry. So God. God, if you believe in God, is a being somewhere, existing somewhere. We'll just say that. Okay. I, won't, I won't say on a planet, in space, wherever you believe God might be, in heaven. I don't know. Okay. But if you believe God, you believe God's a being somewhere else, okay. existing somewhere. Wouldn't that be an alien? <laughs> and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Let's just say I'm grateful that I'm not your podcast guest <laughs> next week because I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, let's let's talk about it, you know. I'm like, let's talk. I'm like, let's get real here. Let's not just talk about what's comfortable. Let's you know, let's, let's not stay get within real. Let's not <laughs> let's not talk about in the safe box where you know. <laughs> God is is this me? And let me just say, I do believe in God, and I am a um, spiritual person. I don't think I'm. A, I'm not a religious person. So, um, um but I, I know. We're, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but this actually reminds me of a really hilarious story um, from one of my friends who was doing was like doing some online dating, which, you know, uh -oh. that could be a whole nother podcast, like adventures and online dating. Um, <laughs> their stories, right. For anyone who's been there, done that, but it was like this guy that she, you know, like in the beginning, it seemed like everything was cool and everything was going well. And he seemed like fairly normal. Then he says, God's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much. No, he like, I forget what it was. It was some kind of like club that meets that he was all, it was something that had to do with religion and aliens. I don't remember if it was God as an alien or something like that, but he actually had like drove like an hour or two hours or something 
every month or twice a month. I don't remember the details. This is a while back. I'll have to ask my friend, but to like go meet with this group of people that all like held similar beliefs. And this was like a thing. And she was just like, and he felt like super passionate about it. It was like, basically like, if you don't believe this, then this is a deal breaker. Like this is a relationship deal breaker. And she's like, well, I mean, I don't believe this. Like I'm willing to talk and hear your perspectives, but no, currently I'm not on that train that's coming into the station. Right. So anyways, I'll, I guess what I'm saying is like, I could hook you up. You could like go meet with other I mean, people. I don't know about that guy. Cause, it, Cause it's no, it sounds like what he's doing is they have a set of beliefs. Right. What, what I'm doing is exploring the topics. Oh, okay. You haven't like decided for sure. You no. sound like pretty convinced. Oh. No, I'm 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 asking questions, and this actually oh, okay. this actually goes back to that thing I was saying, um, being able to question your beliefs and and critically think about things that are fed to us, whether that's Christianity, religion, um, right, or life outside of Earth, and like with okay. that, for example, if there's a bug on Mars, that's an alien. Okay, that's another life form. So, uh, it's like I say, I, I like to think deeply and critically about these things because <laughs> it's interesting. It's not just racism. <laughs> I'm not just a black man who wants to talk about hey, racism, okay? Intersectionality. I also want to talk about aliens. Intersectionality. Okay. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to regret layers. everything I've brought up. <laughs> layers. I got some really neat well, sci-fi movie ideas we're going to work on together, okay? <laughs> we're going to incorporate racism and, and aliens and, and all kinds of stuff into oh, it, Oh, my goodness. We're going to be, I mean, we're going to be huge. <laughs> hey, it could be like a good movie, maybe. <laughs> Fic- science fiction movie. <laughs> yeah. JK, JK, giving you a hard time. Yeah. But seriously. Okay, well, you have fun with that. I will. <laughs> I'm planning on it. We're very excited. And I'm going to ask you after the episode, I'm going to quiz you like, did you listen? Oh, I'll listen. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) And I'll probably have some feedback. Don't you worry. Yeah. So that's uh, next week, folks. Tune in next Sunday. Uh, Tomorrow, this will be out. Awesome. Yay. This episode. Looking forward forward to hearing myself. (laughs) Sounds super weird. Okay. All right. Well, thanks well, thank again. you so much. Appreciate it's been fun. It. It's been good. Um, as usual, have Second a great weekend. Of many conversations we probably will be having. Yeah. Tune in next time. We got to leave that. Um, what do they call it? Like where you dangle it before them? Cliffhanger. Tune in next time for racial fetishes. I know <laughs> we said that last time, but we're serious this time. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I think we should be able to, we'll to get there. Okay. But Sounds we'll, good. I'll get with you on the date. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you so much. Have a great uh, rest of your weekend. You too, Leah. Okay, Okay. bye. Bye. Okay, so there we have it. Uh, Episode 17. Uh, Hopefully this is a reference episode um, where you can come back and listen to this and get some kind of general information about the things that we talk about. Um, Let me see if I can... um, find a good outro song here uh, that we can listen to. 
And uh, again, uh, you can uh, listen to the Grit Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, and you can follow us on um, iTunes, I'm sorry, uh, Instagram at the Grit Podcast. Uh, I mainly um, do a lot of my promotion there. Uh, we're also on Facebook again, um, not on Twitter. Um, haven't quite figured that out. Um, but that should be it. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, we'll, we'll go out to some, uh, Mac Miller here. Uh, rest in peace, Mac Miller. Um, I wasn't, um, a big fan when, when he was out. Um, I just never got around to listening to him, but unfortunately after he passed, uh, I started listening to his music and, uh, really enjoyed it.